The Girl Scouts are a well-known group that the majority of us recognize for their precious little outfits and their ridiculously good cookies. In the U.S., Girl Scout cookie season is a pretty big deal. People are so serious about these cookies that during the pandemic, the Girl Scouts actually partnered with DoorDash to make sure that the hungry masses were able to enjoy their Thin Mints and Tagalongs. Founded in 1912 in Georgia, this group aims to help girls build courage, confidence, and character. But the Girl Scouts also have a dark story in their past. And not every little girl that joined them was able to return to their families. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders, an instance where three little girls between the ages of 8 and 10 were murdered in their tent while sleeping right next to the rest of their troop. Before we jump into this particular case, I just want to have a heart-to-heart with you guys. When I picked my niche, it was a combination of my interest in horror and where I grew up. Colorado is huge on natural spaces. We are the kind of state where everyone hikes and goes camping, or fishes and goes glamping. In this state, we spent a lot of time outside, and I've always grown up with a somewhat healthy fear and respect for nature and the dangers that come with it. But I've said it before, and I will say it again, I was completely unprepared for how many cases in this niche would include children. With true crime, there's a constant conflict. I think that it's important that people have their story told, but I, like anyone else in true crime, struggle with potentially glorifying the horrible experiences that people have gone through. I've asked myself several times if I should avoid these stories, but at the same time, I've noticed that the most horrible stories always involve kids. And while that's terrible, I also feel like it's more important to tell those stories because it shows that terrible people tend to be even worse in the face of a truly vulnerable victim. People are targeted for what they look like, and what they believe in, in a lot of cases. Some people are dangerous, and a lot of those people are infinitely worse to people that they know can't fight back or speak up. And guys, that sucks. But it's also the reality that we live in, and I know that as much as I want to be the person who doesn't read the explicit details about a murder victim, I also don't want to do the suburban thing and act like it isn't happening. So, as my audience, because I know that there are a surprising number of you, please tell me if I need to flag these episodes and let you know in advance if kids are involved. Because a lot of my cases tend to include them. Unfortunately, this is one of them. The Girl Scouts has a surprisingly powerful history. And that's something that I didn't know. See, when I was a kid, I didn't want to join the Girl Scouts. 
I actually threw a fit because I wanted to join the Boy Scouts. I didn't want to sell cookies and wear a stupid skirt. I wanted to go camping and learn how to do cool survivalist stuff. And no one ever told me that I could do both in the Girl Scouts. Just like no one ever told me that the Girl Scouts were actually founded at a point where women couldn't legally vote in the United States. Founded by Juliet Gordon Lowe, this group was, in their own words, designed to prepare girls to meet the world with courage, confidence, and character. It was formed to teach girls to learn how to band together, learn, and grow. And its founder started by teaching 18 girls what she learned abroad about outdoor education. When it started, this group taught girls how to hike, swim, and camp. It taught them how to speak foreign languages and track the stars. But above all else, it brought girls together in a world that has always tried to rip them apart. But the Girl Scouts also has a terrifying story hidden in its past. This group, which is known to encourage girls to push back on racism and xenophobia, a group which openly pushed against segregation and sexism, also suffered from a mass murder and closed down a 50-year-old camp because of it. And that is what we are here to talk about. We live in a world where internet pranks are rampant. And as a society, I believe that we're finally learning just how damaging some pranks can be. This is a world where parents are losing custody for psychologically damaging their kids in prank videos on YouTube. A world where we understand that some jokes aren't harmless no matter how hard you try and laugh at them. But in 1977 we weren't quite there yet. So when the Girl Scouts held their annual camp counselor training and someone destroyed a tent, they didn't think anything of it. They didn't think anything of it when they found a note that said that someone planned to kill the girls in tent one. They assumed that it was nothing more than a prank. And while hindsight is twenty twenty, most of us can probably understand why they thought that. Now, I'll admit that I grew up with a different understanding of these kinds of pranks and the risks that come with them. In today's world, school shootings are commonplace in America. Growing up in Colorado following the Columbine Massacre, I grew up in a world where threats were taken really seriously. I mentioned this in a previous episode, but every single year on 420, a school had received bomb threats or threats of mass murder. As a kid, it was something I normalized. It was an excuse to get out of class. And while there was always that lingering fear, most of us just assumed that it was kids being awful. The adults in charge, on the other hand, didn't. They took steps to protect us. In this case, the camp counselors didn't take the threat seriously. But even if they had, they probably wouldn't have saved the victims. On June 12, 1977, camp was just beginning. Three little girls attended this camp. 
Doris Milner, Michelle Goosey, and Lori Farmer. Doris was 10, Michelle was 9, and Lori was 8. These three little girls were tucked away in Tent 8 at their campground. And if the internet is to be believed, this was the tent spot that was supposedly the furthest tent from the tent that held the camp counselors. It was a tent that was hidden just beyond the tent that held the camp showers. But it was still fully within range of every other tent at this camp. These three little girls had just arrived, and they were excited at what camp might hold for them. They were promised fun and friendship, but that was not what they received. After their first night together, a camp counselor went to get ready for the day. On her way, she found one of the little girls. She was in her sleeping bag, and she was dead. A brief search would reveal that every girl from Tent 8 was dead, and that it wasn't an accident. The three girls were a short ways away from their tent, but it was pretty obvious that they hadn't been taken there willingly. Each of the little girls was severely beaten, raped, and strangled. A tragedy like this is not something that most people can overlook, especially not back then. The camp, which was first opened in 1928, closed down immediately after the murders. After nearly 50 years of time spent helping little girls to learn survival skills and develop friendships, its doors were closed. Now, the space is predominantly visited by hikers, campers, and those who seek out the ghosts of the three murdered children. In 1977, we weren't the best at solving murders. It was an age where good detective work could crack a case or could lead to the wrong person very easily. In this case, investigators had minimal evidence to go on, and most of it wasn't all that helpful. As horrifying as this is, apparently girls from the camp reported hearing the crime. They just didn't know it at the time. Someone heard a scream. Another heard a girl mumbling and thought it was in her sleep. It's impossible to say whether someone truly heard something or just thought that they did after they learned what happened because they were kids. We all know how kids are with their imaginations, but we also know that sometimes they're right. In this case, what the girls heard wasn't helpful. But a nearby landowner claimed that he heard a lot of traffic near the site that night. Was it just the general traffic of campers arriving and claiming their tents, or was there more going on here? Police suspected that a local criminal was involved. His name was Gene Hart, and he had escaped from a nearby jail where he was imprisoned for violent crimes against women. He also knew the area very well. But when they caught him and tried to charge him, he was found not guilty for these crimes, a fact which would later become controversial 
when DNA testing would show a likely match to the DNA found on those three innocent girls 12 years later. All the same, he went back to prison for his other crimes, and he died in prison. Apparently, police even found evidence against him in a nearby cave. They found paraphernalia from the camp, as well as a newspaper article that had been found with the bodies of the girls. Hart was pursued extensively, and an article was even printed covering the different looks that he had donned, which could explain how he managed to avoid being arrested for so long. These completely old and organic images are so extreme that even a wild weight loss program and a ton of contouring couldn't explain them. So it makes sense that he was able to slip below the radar for so long. Of course, even then, DNA wasn't a guarantee, and there were some other theories about what happened. Barring the theories that suggest that a ghost or paranormal entity snatched up these girls, some believe that they were the victims of different criminals. A local reverend claimed that he visited the location with four men and saw the dead body of one of the girls. He provided names, telling police that he was helping these men to achieve their path to God. But the lead was ultimately disproven. There was no evidence that what he said was true. And as a writer, this kind of story always interests me. Because if I were to write it, I would make it so the Reverend was trying to blame folks that he considered ungodly for a crime they didn't commit. I don't think that's what happened here, but it's certainly a weird claim that led to no actual outcome, so my imagination kind of goes wild with that. In a weird turn of events, a known criminal made the movie Candles, which documented the story, based on what he claimed were the confessions of his former cellmate, who he swore was the real murderer. To this day, no one has ever been convicted for the murder of these three innocent girls. The Girl Scouts closed the camp and shut the door on this horrific crime forever. But it's a story that history just won't forget. In the end, a fun-filled educational summer turned into tragedy. And no one near this case would ever be the same again. Normally, I would sign off with some quippy line about things I'm interested in, but honestly, I don't have anything for this case. It's awful, and these children died in a truly horrible way. So... If you want to talk true crime, or you just want me to put warnings on my episodes, you can find me using the tag at datpod on Twitter or Instagram. For ad-free listening, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash like and inscribe. And please stay safe out there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.